go. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, we're back again. It's another week. It's another week of the World Cup. And uh, this is Andrew, uh, your host for this evening. But uh, I have the ignominious claim of being the only one on the panel tonight who is not in Europe. I can't say France because, uh, Phil, both you and Ant have, have departed France on your way to Germany. But um, we're waiting on Ant. His flight has been delayed. Hopefully he's able to join us in a few minutes time but i do have phil with me at the moment so phil how are you i am amazing thanks andrew and yeah uh obviously it would have been nice to have all three of us in france but uh it's been an amazing experience i was able to see Anne for a little bit in bordeaux watch the springboks play um and also managed to watch the samoa chile match so all around it's been really good so far I mean, you're a veteran of a couple of World Cups now. How's how's this one shaping up compared to your previous experiences? Yeah, so two in a row. Um, I think major difference in Japan, I was there for the tail end of the tournament, so from playoffs. Now it's still early days, uh, you know, two matches in. But I've been really impressed. I think that this, the Bordeaux Stadium was uh, really well organized and everything was well handled. All the seats were really good. From my friend was at the South Africa Scotland match who I was watching with, and he was saying Bordeaux was better than the Marseille experience. So I think that stadium is really good. And then I will be at some of the other stadiums uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So as you said, I'm in Germany now at the moment. Um, I'm here for a bit of Oktoberfest and to watch some football, hopefully. And then I'll be back in uh, in France by the end of the week. So looking forward to some more matches, including South Africa against Tonga. Man, epic times. Um, I must, I must ask, what are the beer prices like? Because I mean, traveling through Europe uh, as a, an eighteen-year-old, it was one of those things that was a forbidden fruit until I reached East Europe and I could actually afford to go drinking. So, how's that panning out for you? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tough one, especially if you're doing the you know ran calculation um, in the stadium, uh, like a five hundred mil Asahi. So they're the main beer sponsor this time around, not Heineken. Costs eight euro, uh, so eight euro Ooh. per beer. It, it adds up very fast. I know Ant <laughs> and um, Anton and Andrew Butler. He is also one of our draft uh, ex draft players who Ant's traveling with. They were going hard on the beer, so that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of euro spent. Um, but yeah, lots of fun, but definitely a bit expensive. And thankfully, we're all making a bit more money than we were all in our students or younger days. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess at least one of us has to stay behind and make sure the South African economy is still ticking. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm representing us on that front. But I'm glad to hear that you guys know. are having a ball. Uh, yeah, I hope, I'm really hoping Ant can tune and give us his side of the story. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what state he'll be in after his uh, plane flight, given that I suppose booze was free on the flight. So he's probably cashing in, <laughs> but we'll <laughs> yeah. see We'll see if he joins. Um, but for now, it's you and I, Phil. Uh, I think we'll crack on with uh, this second round of pool games in the World Cup. Quite a few interesting results. Um, some some other interesting points to talk about. I think we'll, we'll deal with the Springboks last. So let's just start with the first game of the round which again was the hosts they were up against uruguay uh squidges you know tips for biggest upset to the tournament um i didn't catch many of these games live but i have caught up on at least all the highlights and uh, read a few 
match reviews. And uh, by all accounts, France have continued to look a little bit shaky. They obviously had that win over the All Blacks in round one, but they were expected to put Uruguay away by a considerable margin. Um, so, uh, Phil, I don't know how much you caught, but is this is this France just showing that they're not all that, or did Uruguay really step up? I think it, m- it must be a combination of both. I mean, it wasn't France's first choice lineup. You know, they did rotate quite a bit. Um, but still, you would think even this uh, second choice would be able to put your your Uruguay away a little bit easier. Um, so I think both them and Chile have really stepped up this tournament. They've both impressed a lot. And um, I think I was really impressed with them. I think they scored just after half time, which put the scores super close before, you know, France scored towards the end. So it what, it could have easily been very different. And that would have been, as you say, just one of the massive shocks. But it's looking a little bit more bleak for Namibia. So Namibia is obviously the biggest uh, chance to get a win is against Uruguay. So, but you're, they are looking strong. But yeah, I think you're right. France are not making anyone quake in the boots. Um, if if South Africa can top their group, probably playing New Zealand. But coming second and then facing France in the quarterfinal isn't as scary as a proposition as maybe we thought at the beginning of the tournament. Yeah, we know on this uh, podcast, quite a few of our our OGs and a couple of our current members have have. Quite a lot of love for Namibia, who France have up next. Are we eyeing a a potential upset <laughs> there, or is that just completely uh, out of the question? Uh, we would all love it, I'm sure. Everyone would love it except for the French, just because it would be such a true underdog story. But uh, <laughs> as hard as Namibia will undoubtedly fight, um, I think, yeah, as I said, the match against Uruguay is their main aim to get something out of it. And even that seems a, a tall order to ask at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, it has to be. So we'll we'll see which uh, France team gets put out against Namibia. We still to see the team sheets at time of recording, but France have rested a number of their top players, so it remains to be seen if they risk having them out for two weeks in a row, because obviously there's a little bit of uh, stagnation that might creep in, who knows? Um, yeah, the likes of Ireland have been playing pretty strong sides from the offset, so we'll see how the strategies uh, play out over the weeks, but... Um, yeah, that was France versus Uruguay, 27-12 to France. Um, maybe flattered them a little bit even, which is uh, quite uh, saying saying something given the, the gulf between the two teams. Then we, we moved on to the, the second uh, game of the, the weekend, talking of Namibia. We had New Zealand against Namibia, the two ends in their pool. Uh, this was always yeah. going to be a one-sided game. There, I think there was a World Cup record match between these two teams. Um, and we had the likes of, well, I guess some all-black second stringers. We had Cam Roygaard making his first test appearance. He was a popular fantasy pick for many players. Uh, they had a few other combinations that uh, got rotated in. Damien McKenzie coming in a fly half. Uh, but a couple of big names keeping their places. Bowden Barrett, Ardi Savia. Um, but Namibia, uh, despite a valiant effort, as always, they do play with heart. Went down 71 points to three. Your take on that game, Phil? Yeah, I really enjoyed the game as a spectacle. I think there was a a long point in the match where Nambia were pushing really hard for a try. Um, As I said, I managed to join Ant in an Irish pub in Bordeaux for this one. 
Um, and we were really, really cheering them a bit on, hoping that they would get <laughs> over for that one try so someone could have that Dazel moment of like 2015. Uh, it was quite funny. There was a group of Australia, uh, not Australian, New Zealand women behind us, you know, all dressed up in their all black gear. Before the match, we spoke to them and we said, what are your predictions? And they told us, oh, they're going to be happy at 21.5 or something. And we're like, well, well, we'll take it easy, you know. <laughs> Clearly not, not not the most knowledgeable rugby fans, but they were definitely cheering hard. Um, I think they said they were at school with Samisani, Samisoni Takiaho, so they were cheering okay. him on especially. Um, but yeah, it was a cool atmosphere being being in a pub surrounded by rugby fans, cheering Namibia on just un, unlucky that they couldn't just get one try. I think that would have made that almost match a success for them. So... Uh, yeah, New Zealand made it look easy at times. We've, I felt they were almost running it from everywhere, you know, um, even from their own 22, uh, scored some nice tries as they always do. Um, like you said, guys like Cam Roygaard, but also others really performing well. Um, it it does create some selection poses, I guess, for their first choice team. Like they don't really have, I mean, they have the match against Italy, but they should expect to beat them relatively comfortably. But uh, building then for a really big quarterfinal, whether it's against South Africa, Ireland, or possibly in Scotland. Um, I thought they, yeah, they pretty much made expectations. Did you, were you, see anything in that that worried would worry you as a potential South African opposition in the quarterfinal? No, I think you've made a good point there. I think the selection poses are, are interesting. I think we'll get to it with the bot game as well. But there's players who go in against these minor teams and then play well, and you're like, well. Is that really indicative of what you'll do on a on a bigger stage? So we'll see if that plays into selections in, in future games. Of course, New Zealand have Italy still to come. That's their last, I guess, potential banana skin if they're going to get grouped. Uh, I don't see that happening, but they will have to make sure that they get through that without any without any issues. Uh, Lester Fanganuku is fantastic for me and my World Cup fantasy team. Uh, a couple yeah. of assists, a couple of tries, looked really, really explosive and good. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's exactly what you expect um, from him. And he played really, really well. A few others. Just, I think, a quick, yeah. just a quick just a quick shout out to you. I mean, I'm sure there are some of our listeners who joined our fantasy league. Um, <laughs> a- ADB sitting there pretty on the top of our logs. So, yeah, he's the one to catch at the moment. And... Yeah, I'm humbly in second place, so hopefully <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. It's so early days. Yeah, it's early, early days. Round two of seven, I keep saying. So I also triple captain Johnny Sexton in the first fixture, and he played well, and now Lester Fanganico is my triple captain. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if I can keep it up, but uh, I definitely have a marker on my back, it seems. Um, perhaps I think the biggest talking point uh, for the New Zealanders was the red card to Ethan De Groot, or De Groot as they call him, um, for a, a high, well, I guess shoulder to to the head on Adrian Boyson. Um, I did hear that after the game, the New Zealand team made a really nice gesture of signing a jersey and, and giving it to, it to him after the game and wishing him well. But uh, another one of these uh, high tackles or reckless tackles resulting in a red card. We had Tom Curry for England earlier this tournament, and I'm, I'm sure it won't be the last time we see that. He's out for two games. Uh, it would be three, but he has an option to complete tackle school, which will put him back for the quarterfinals. Uh, yeah, it's a, another interesting decision. Um, 
And he's he's an important player for the All Blacks. He's really been coming on, making really good strides, eh? Hey? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, Lomax has already been out for these games. I'm not sure if he'll be back. Yeah, I think he'll be back soon. But on the other side, as a as a tight head, but uh, Ethan DeGroote is definitely the first choice loose head for New Zealand now. So without him, they still have capable options. It's clearly against Italy and Namibia, or they've played Namibia, against Italy and Uruguay. They shouldn't struggle. But yeah, DeGroote is first choice. So missing two games, even if he sort of loses some of that match sharpness or, or match fitness, it's not ideal for them. Um, I thought it was a pretty straightforward decision. Like you could almost get into mitigating factors, but not quite. Um, I think I know. Yeah. So obviously that was the high tackle, but I think there was the bad Namibian injury where someone broke his ankle or something, mm. or broke his leg at one of the centers. So I think that's the one where the guys in hospital. I know ALB went to see him after the game, also in hospital, and like visited him. So hopefully, I can't remember the center's name. Not Dazel, the other guy. Uh, so hopefully he's all fine. Um, but yeah, a nice gesture from Anton Lena Brown to go visit him in the hospital. Uh, okay, I might I might have got it mixed up. It might have been that guy they sent the jersey to. But either way, mm-hmm. uh, really good spirit of the game from them. Uh, Ethan Ethan Lecourt obviously came on and scored a try with his first touch, which uh, definitely <laughs> tickled the coach's box, uh, and then went on to get that red card. So a match of mixed fortunes for. For him and for anyone who who brought him in boldly off the bench in fantasy, um, so that was I guess the the recap of that game. The All Blacks march on. Uh, Namibia are still looking for that elusive World Cup win. Then we had on Saturday uh, the first game of the day: Samoa versus Chile. Uh, Chile, another one of those South American teams, just showing. Really good chutzpah, I guess you could say, uh, coming up with a try, and uh, but eventually going down five tries to one against Samoa, 43 points to 10. Samoa keeping themselves alive in this uh, fairly difficult pool. Yeah, yeah, and Samoa was their first game, their first hit out. Um, I was kind of impressed with them, but also kind of disappointed in, in, in different ways. Like, I think I was impressed in their sort of better structure and better sort of game management side of things. I think they did very well there and less impressed with their more, I guess, the free running side. Just too many drop balls. But, I mean, they, they still scored plenty of tries. They got enough for their bonus point. Um, eventually, they put Chile away after an initial bit of, you know, uh, arm wrestle at the beginning of the match. The Chile try at the beginning of the match was a really, really nice one. Um and yeah, in the stadium, it was almost completely red. There was just a small pocket of Samoan fans. Otherwise, almost all Chileans. Um, on the way to the stadium, on the bus, we had a train full of Ch- Chilean chants. It was really cool. We learned some cool, you know, uh, ch- chants that we used in the stadium as well. So definitely, they're making the most of their first World Cup. You know. It's- their ever World Cup and hopefully they'll be back for more because they bring a lot of uh, very excited fans. <laughs> yeah, it's been great to see these these Minot teams represented in the stands and very well represented on the field. I think they're, you know, despite the, the results not going their way, uh, I think they're putting up a good fight and showing a good a good side of themselves and, you know, a good side for rugby in general, which is what you like to see. Um, yeah, so that was... Samoa versus Chile. We'll see if Samoa can sneak through the group. Um, it's 
not looking too easy for them at this point, but um, we'll see how things get on. We're only in the second round of seven, as I keep saying. The next game was Wales versus Portugal. So this should have been a very one-sided affair. I mean, Wales are considered a tier one nation, depending on who you ask, and might disagree <laughs> with me there. Um, they, again, rotated quite heavily, uh, but I think I think the word really is laboured to a 28-8 to win over Portugal. Uh, I, I don't see much cause for confidence in that result. Portugal definitely one of the minnows in this tournament, the whipping boy of that group. And Wales not installing a whole lot of faith uh, ahead of their big clash with Australia coming up. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into Australia's own results, I'm sure, after but uh, that's going to be massive. But yeah, Wales, from what I saw, so I didn't see the whole game, I was traveling back, but um, really disappointing from them, even just scoreline-wise, not, again, even if it's a complete second choice, even if you rotate almost everyone, you would still expect your Wales second or third choice to be able to comfortably deal with Portugal, so... They are just really not inspiring too much confidence. I mean, we've spoken about how themselves and England and Australia, to some extent, have come into this tournament just not looking particularly inspiring. And that's sort of carrying on with all three of those teams. So unless something changes, I mean, we know they're on the easy side of the draw. I really can't see them, you know, progressing too far or at least uh, getting a big result over one of the uh, more established favorites. No, certainly not at this point. And it was notable that Louis Rees-Samet seems to almost single-handedly like pull this Welsh side through <laughs> all the different games. Uh, he he is a bit of a one-man team at the moment. Um, probably the only player in that Welsh side that would even get a look in into a World 15 or something like that at this point. Is that, is that fair to say? Or is that a bit unfair to Jack Morgan maybe? Yeah, I was going to mention maybe Jack Morgan, but I think in a World 15, he's not even close, to be honest. Like, he's a really, really good young loose forward. But um, Lewis Rees-Samet is obviously, he has a lot of pace, and he, I think sometimes even his agility goes, uh, you know, um, un untalked about. Oh, it probably doesn't. Everyone knows he's quick, he's fast, he's agile. But uh, Jack Morgan, I think he was a late replacement or something. He wasn't supposed to be on the bench. And then when he did play, uh, yeah, again, he was like one, he, I think he was their best forward. Um, so he's a super young player. So a lot is on his shoulders now as a co-captain and just being a star player. So if he can inspire the rest of the team to lift their game against uh, Australia in the next match, it's, yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. We'll get there. Um the, the next game, talking of fairly underwhelming performances by Pacific Islander teams, was Ireland taking on Tonga. I think Tonga were, were being seen as potential banana peels for the likes of South Africa, Scotland and Ireland. But uh, Ireland dispatching them with ease, 59 to 16. Uh, for Tonga, via Fafita, the ex-All Black, uh, getting a try there for their team. A couple of penalties to Havili, otherwise uh, it was all Ireland. Uh, Mac Hansen, Mac Daddy scored a, an epic try, beat about five defenders on the way to the line. Really good for my fantasy side again. Bundy Aki con 
continuing his imperious form this World Cup. Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see against South Africa whether he's retained in 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 favour instead of Robbie Henshaw. But uh, Ireland uh, looking, I mean, maybe you can't read that much into a result against Tonga, but they're they're looking like a solid side. Yeah, I mean, like you say, that's uh, someone like Bandiaki is just on the top of his game. Um, Mac Hansen's looking dangerous. James Lowe's looking dangerous. Johnny Sexton's got full control over that backline. Um, it's looking pretty scary. I I think when you watch Ireland, just the whole system, the way they play is so like efficient and so mechanical almost um, that I think... It's going to take a lot to disrupt, but I also feel if anyone can do it, the Springboks can. So I really can't wait for next weekend's game. Um, it's it's a massive game between the current number one and two in the world. Um, and it, if if whoever wins really lays down a marker um, and boosts their own confidence going towards the playoffs. And yeah, I, I mean, Ireland re played really well. Uh, the one moment, or it was two moments that I enjoyed in the match were Charles Piertau, who's sort of one of my favorite players, <laughs> receiving the ball from the back and managing to step Hugo Keenan, like completely <laughs> get past him twice. Unfortunately, it didn't result in anything. So, but he's still, I mean, Hugo Keenan is a really good defender. I can't remember him being beaten much by anyone, but like twice in the space of five minutes, uh, Piertau managed to easily step him. So... But then Piatal has always been a bit more of a flashy player than an effective one. So, <laughs> yeah. And then Via Fafita is also really good. Uh, I think he, it looked like he was going to go off after like 10 minutes, but then he pulled himself together and still managed to score a try, as you said. So, Tonga, just disappointing, I think, because, yeah, they have so many good players on paper, but they don't seem to be able to put together a really solid team performance. And I think Scotland and South Africa should put them away. Well, with that being said, uh, I think we have Ant joining us. Ant, are you there? I think you've just moved through passport control in Frankfurt. I have indeed. And I just wanted to jump in very quickly on Phil's analogy of Ireland being a very good, well-rounded machine. Do you know what's really great for stopping machines? A really big stick in the spokes. Um, and I think <laughs> if you just look at our you know, 35,000 forwards, I think those can all be described as a very big stick. Yeah. <laughs> Is it as efficient as a German passport control? To be honest, it depends. It's 50-50. On the way up, um, getting to France, it was a shit show. But fortunately, the plane's been two hours delayed. So that the fact that it took me about 35 seconds to get through on this way um, is made up for it. So I would say <laughs> Ireland are more uh, routinely efficient than German passport control. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, we're happy to have you with us. Welcome. Uh, you can chip in as whenever you can, given that you you're walking through the airport right now. But John, uh, I first just feel like I need to check in. Phil, how's your liver? <laughs> My liver's okay. I think uh, compared to you guys, I, I I probably didn't push quite as hard. But even on Saturday morning, after after the shots and after <laughs> all those beers, I was struggling a little bit. So I still had a good time, but I managed to just control it slightly. How about you? It was. It was a big weekend all around, and I was definitely feeling both the individual and cumulative effects this morning. But the, <laughs> Sean, the other South African we met, met up with on Friday, yes, they ended up dropping 600 euros at a bar last night. So, you know, look, things could be worse. At least my wallet's not hurting as much as my head. 
Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we were talking about some of the prices just before you joined. And yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money to spend on a weekend, but you know, some people can do No, that was just one night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one night. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a chunk, that's a chunk of cash. But that, that's Europe for you. Um, yeah. All right. And, and just a quick shout out and recognition of, one of the goats, I think we can say, Johnny Sexton becoming Ireland's top Test Rugby point scorer, overtaking Ronan O'Gara as well. So props to Johnny. He's taken, what, 38 years to get there, but <laughs> fair dues to him. He's lasted this long and he's still going and he's still playing really good rugby. He looked particularly slick, I think. Do, do we um, want to look at the debate that the, the children were having about who's the greatest Irish player of all time? Is it now officially six and over O'Driscoll? No. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, O'Driscoll was just so much more, more exciting in class. I can't, I can't allow it. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a strong opinion either way. So um, <laughs> I just wanted to know if that's something we wanted to debate. No. I think O'Driscoll's also just so much more likable, right? As a neutral, as a non-Irish. Oh, that's fan. that's completely as 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 a human, O'Driscoll is far superior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but d- definitely better than O'Gara, but not quite O'Driscoll, I would say. I mean, I feel like O'Gara was an Irish legend without the evidence to be that good. Maybe that's just because I had him. I only got like late to O'Gara. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, uh, Bod is. He probably like reshaped the way that people play in 13. It's just he brought so much more to the game. I mean, Sexton's brilliant, but I don't think he's had the same effect on the, the overall game worldwide. So my vote's definitely with Bod. Okay. Uh, debate settled. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll move on then. Um, we'll skip over the box game uh, unless you guys want to cover it now, but maybe we'll leave it for last. Keep the keep yeah. the audience keep the audience waiting. Keep that. Yeah. It depends going. how much how much time Phil has and how much time you have and how much time I have for my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're going until ten, as long as that's okay with you, Ant. So I think we can cover the other games and then get into the box. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we yeah. have. Let's go. We have another exciting one to cover before we get the box game, and that is uh, the. I guess everyone's saying we're chalking this up as a huge upset, Fiji beating Australia. I picked this one fairly confidently on Superbrew. Um, Australia just looking like an absolute shambles. Carter Gordon letting in an early try and having a shocker in general, being subbed off after like 50 minutes or something. Fiji, yeah, they, they didn't always do themselves massive favours. They were hot and cold throughout the game, I felt, but... Uh, Coming away with an all-important win, throwing open their pool completely. Comments? Yeah, it's very weird to call it an, an upset. I mean, obviously, it's because I'm not beating them in 50 years or whatever, but, you know, they beat England at home. They were very close to pushing Wales. Um, they're really playing great. You know, their super rugby team beats most of the other super rugby teams. So, it's yeah, I think it's, it's on one hand an upset because they're technically tier two, but, I mean, they rank higher than them. And they're certainly playing the far more convincing rugby at the moment. So, yeah, I don't think... I mean, I saw some pundits saying this is ranks up there with Japan beating South Africa in terms of upsets, which is just ridiculous. No, um, no, you know, not at all. Like, Fiji yeah. are an objectively good side. And, yeah. you know, people should... I think we you know, the narrative of them being 
this, you know, whip it like underdog. I mean, but I think it just talks to the uninformedness nature of a lot of journalists, like saying they still have a weak scrum, saying they're just a flair team. It just shows that people don't watch a single exactly. minute of their rugby. I, th- I think it's exactly that. I mean, uh, on most of my Super Rue pools, it was almost all in favor of Fiji, but the total percentage was still like 75% in, in Australia's favor. And that just shows how uninformed most people are or just basing it on traditional powerhouses. You know, they think Australia are a traditionally better team than Fiji. Whereas think- as we... As we've all been saying, Fiji are currently ranked above Australia. Currently, their team is pretty much better. So not really that much of an upset. I think the best reflection of that is if you look at the two main Super Bowl pools I'm on, which is Lead Rugby Banter and my office group. I think my office group may be 20% with Fiji, whereas ERB is like 78% with Fiji. You know, that shows the difference between people that like watch and are informed about rugby versus just people taking a punt. Exactly. Putting the elite in elite rugby banter. Well, yeah, or, or they just listen to our podcast when we're inherently biased against Australia. That's also a possibility. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to be fair, I've, I've been talking up Australia the last little while saying how great I think their young up-and-comers are, but they have selected a completely odd squad. So, yeah, it's all glowing up in flames and we're watching, we're enjoying watching it all burn. Look, I mean, without getting too far ahead in the permutations, I am still hoping that they can beat Wales, and I still think they can beat Wales. Um, and that then really throws the pool open, and we can still get my prediction of Fiji topping the pool happening. Um, <laughs> no, Fiji are kind of guaranteed to go through at this point, which is great. But Fiji, I mean, Australia really could mess everything up on Sunday, which I would just love to see. Yeah, it's. I mean, permutation-wise, if if Australia beat Wales, it's going to make it very interesting coming down to points difference and bonus points, but can't wait. Let's see it happen. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Fiji did manage to get two losing bonus points against Wales, despite bottling what should have been a good win for Fiji. Uh, they, they've put themselves in a good position now with just Georgia and Portugal left to play in the pool, whereas there's that decider for second or potentially first place between Oz and Wales. So Huge, huge game looming. Uh, Eddie Jones seems to be playing it cool. I watched his interviews. He's nothing seems to to phase him at this point. But you know, he he could be seeing the door very, very soon if that result doesn't go their way. Yeah, I think if if he doesn't make it out the group, there's no way that he lost past this World Cup. So it's do or die for them against Wales, pretty much. Yep, I think we all agreed. The last game before we get into the, the main meal, England versus Japan. Um, Japan sort of continuing on their lackluster run of form, unfortunately going down 34-12. to 12. Uh, I think that was mostly an expected result. Um, Japan just haven't been playing up to, to the standard that we'd hoped. England getting a fairly convincing win for the first time in forever. Uh, it'll do their confidence a world of good, but again, it is just Japan. So that side of the draw is still looking, uh, you know, unarguably weak. Phil, you're the England fan. What happened? Yeah, I mean, even the nature of the win, despite the scoreboard looking relatively convincing, I think the the performance itself still wasn't. It was still pretty lackluster. Still re- left a lot of room for improvement. Um, I didn't feel as the English part of me didn't feel great after the game. Um, yeah, I I still think we're going to qualify. Um, 
we in this case being England, <laughs> making it out of the group. But with uh, the performances really haven't left me feeling confident, although it does give me a slight hint of 2007, uh, where a really not very good England team made the final. So who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Um, that, that team wasn't very good. I don't think this team is very good. Or, uh, was a couple of points from winning a World Cup. So stranger things have happened. Yeah, but I feel like this team is not going to be able to, you know, they don't have this, uh, I suppose that team still beat Australia, but this team doesn't have even the basics of the scrum to fall back on. Um, I don't I don't see them getting past the semis. As well as I don't see them getting past the quarters, I don't see them beating Fiji or Wales. You know, they, yeah. they show that they can lose to Fiji like two weeks ago, and they show that they can lose to Wales like two weeks ago. So, you know, maybe the, maybe the best hope is to, to draw Australia. Yeah, I, I would love it if the Springboks came up against England in a final. That would be an ideal fixture at this point <laughs> if they did get that far and if the Springboks got that far. Um, yeah, you're talking about their lack of a scrum. I mean, uh, what's Marla's main contribution was heading a ball into Courtney Laws' hands for a try. So that was his his comedy contribution. He's, he's known as a bit of a joker. Um, and yeah, a couple of other... Moments. I mean, their their bonus point only came very late on as well, courtesy of Joe Marchand. So, still looking very shaky, both of those sides. Uh, and yeah, I I don't see either of them getting very far in this tournament. And Japan looking like a potential, yeah, group stage exit at this point, which is sad for them, given some of the good rugby they've played in between the last two World Cups. What good are you? They've won four out of nineteen between the two worlds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's my, my rose-colored glasses. Yeah, that no, last I mean, it, is, it, is disapp- it is very disappointing to see the drop off for them over the last four years, and I wonder how much of an exception Super Rugby's contributed to that. But you know, I mean, they're just not looking competitive at this point, um, which is which is disappointing. And I think it kind of speaks to the whole promotion of them to Tier One, which is probably a bit ahead of its time. Yeah, and the Samoa-Japan game should be really interesting. I don't know if Samoa might even be favourites now, given the uh, performances of the two teams. Um, I would think so. I mean, even even in the Pacific Nations Cup, I would call Samoa with that side. Sure. Yeah, that sounds like a fair call to me. Um, yeah, given, given, given recent form, certainly Samoa seems to be the better choice. All right, um, that's it for the other pool games. We're going to move on to the Springboks fixture. Of course, the mainstay of ERB, Springbok Rugby. We had an eminently winnable game against Romania, uh, obviously ranked well, well below us. Um, we went into the game with a lot of rotation, a lot of experiments. We had a, well, I mean, geez, I don't know if I can remember all the changes, but uh, a fullback at fly half, a wing at outside centre, um, eventually had to scrum, 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 off, scrum off at the wing, scrum off at fly half, scrum off at scrum, scrum off, off. Scrum off. <laughs> and they, they combined for a very lovely try, which we probably will yeah. never see again. Three scrum offs playing off each other to set up a try. That's it. Yeah. Um, and two flankers playing hooker. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting game to to watch from from that perspective. Just how much we mixed it up, but but pretty much pretty much all of those came off. I mean, you have to keep the opposition in mind, but. Very convincing, seventy-six nil. Um, yeah, Phil, your your first take on 
on that performance? Yeah, I think uh, despite the opposition, I think pretty much ticking all the boxes, not giving away any cheap points, cheap tries. Um, all the little things were working. Someone like um, Grant Williams looked super dangerous coming off the wing, you know, injecting his pace uh, into the match. We know how fast he is, so nice to see him get a couple of tries. Um yeah, I don't... I mean, there were a couple of players who were a little bit more quiet, maybe the centres. Um, but all in all, I was really impressed with the performance. Uh, I don't know how bad Vincent Cox's injury was. I didn't read up on it, but I know he pulled out just before. Malherbe had to play an extra game. But I really enjoyed the performance, and I think everyone pulled their weight to the bench, and all the players who weren't playing seemed to enjoy it a lot. They were sort of sitting just below me. Um and yeah, the coaching staff also didn't react too much to any of the tries, but I'm sure they thoroughly enjoyed the performance. And you were also there. Uh, must have been awesome to watch such a convincing Springbok win. Must have been a great party atmosphere. And and your your first impressions? Yeah, I'm going to have to give all my impressions because my plan is literally boarding. Um, but I think... <laughs> The first thing is just to comment on the World Cup experience. Maybe we can delve into this when I've got a bit more time. But, you know, the yeah. town was green. Um, and there's just Springbok jerseys everywhere. We came out in full force. And the atmosphere was just like, a, like everyone was just, you know, jovial and chatting and, you know, nodding ahead and just saying, you know, every time you walk past someone, um, they were just saying, how's it? And not just the South Africans, the locals as well. I mean, we got pulled into so many random conversations with people talking to us about the World Cup, our chances. Um, People telling us randomly they're going to come to Cape Town. Um, so it was it was very very cool from that perspective. And then on day it was just unreal. I mean we were pulled into pub from like 10 a.m. jammed on the train, stuck shoulder to shoulder, um, singing the national anthem. And Shosha Laws of the whole like 40 minute train ride there. We had a World Rugby TV crew come on board with us and they were filming us. So we actually got some some nice little footage of us on BTV as a part of the warm And then the fan park, I've never seen that many green jerseys at a match. Um, like even at home, it was unreal. And yeah, it was just a very, very cool match to experience. Um, and yeah, I fortunately managed to remember most of it through the beers. Um, and the, the game itself was was genuinely quite fun. I mean, I think it was a little bit schoolboy at some points, like some of the tries were a bit a bit childishly easy, uh, which, you know, I think kind of speaks to the difference between the top tiers and, and your, your bottom kind of matches. I mean, the same for Ireland, like, there was just some tries where the guys could just step one over. There was no cover defense that was people under the poles. Um, but it was, you know, definitely made for a, for a fun atmosphere. And the Romanians that we were sitting with, you know, they weren't too negative or dumb, bummed about it. You know, they, they're here to give their best shots. And I think they, they you know, they played some, some bits of good rugby, but, you know, just on the whole, we were a, a much more dominant side. So it was, yeah, just a really fun, awesome, awesome experience to be there and be part of the atmosphere. Um, not sure if I should quickly throw out my hot takes on the Pollard injury um, before I, I think I'm the last person in the queue now. Quickly, quickly. Just go for the ramble, but I think it's it wasn't too much of a surprise, but I think it's shocking a lot of people that we are willing to be so bold and go with loose forwards instead of um, an actual hooker as a cover. Um, Mark did manage to hit his jumpers, which is great, um, but I think. What a lot of people are mentioning, I think, is probably the key is that A, Dionfrey and Marku both have a lot more of a breakdown threat and they're a lot more of a like for like type replacement for for Marks. Um, and I think having the, the backup of Pollard in the system, you know, that if money goes down in a quarter final, we've then got Pollard there that we can pull the trigger on rather than having the fly in, that makes a huge difference. Um, 
So yeah, I kind of I see the logic in it. I think the rest of the world will be confused as always with everything we do. But you know, that's for them to be confused. Anyway, I've got to bounce, guys. Cool. The rest of the recording. We'll catch up when I'm back in Cape Town. Cheers. Okay, fly safe. Just that. Yeah, have a safe trip. Yeah, so I guess yeah. we'll, we'll, we can get on to that um, that replacement in a bit. Just just back to the game. Um, obviously, Kurbis Reiner coming oh so close to breaking his his hat trick record in a World Cup game. He now has the the honor of having the the quickest and the second quickest hat tricks in World Cup history, which is pretty insane. Uh, great performance from him as one of the four scrum halves in the squad. Mapimpi, uh, Mister scores tries for a living. Really. You know, nice to see him actually scoring tries again because it's been a little while since we saw him that hungry and, and that ferocious getting to the line. So that was also, I think, will we'll do him a world of good. Phil, I mean, those we talked about it earlier, we mentioned it, but are those kind of players playing themselves into contention, or is there a is there a greater plan here, and, and will they stick to their stick to their guns? I think it's yeah, it's a tough one because everyone that you mentioned did play so well. I think more or less they will stick to their stick to their guns and stick to the plan that's already out there. I think there are some positions which are a little bit maybe uh, not so clear, but um, I think Faf has done enough that he'll keep his spot as the starting scrummer. Um, wings again, um, it could come down to the opposition and how they rate our different strengths of our own wings. Like um, as you say, Mapimpi, when he's hungry, he's and looking back to his old self, he sort of brings something that the other wings don't wing don't have. Um, so uh, that will be interesting to see. We might get a team announcement very soon for the Ireland game. So I'm interested to see which which wings they choose. And if we do something like a seven-one split, we could see all of uh <laughs> Mark and Starden, two locks and another lose forward on the bench. So very interested to see what happens. Um and yeah, I'm not sure about fullback because you know Vili LaRue is the solid option, also eight with Dwayne and Jasper Visa. Do you think uh Damien Willemsa might get the nod again at 15 or or Jasper Visa at eight? Who's who's gonna start? I think in your big games at this point you've got to go Vili at 15. Um, he he just brings so much to the attack in particular. He did get run over in a Shannon Frizzell-esque way uh, at one point <laughs> uh, against yeah. Romania. I, I think some people around me, yeah, some people around me were getting quite frustrated with him. I think he had two dropped balls in like five minutes, yeah. um, which he 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 does every now and then. But he, like you say, he still brings something creative that no one else does. Yeah, and it def- definitely had something to do with the wet conditions. Um, yeah. I think it was the was Simeonescu, I think was the Romanian outside back who was who was looking really, really good. Uh and their their lucid prop as well had some really strong carries. But I mean, you know, let's take nothing away from Romania. They did try hard, they you know, kept up with it the whole way through. They didn't just let themselves fall away. I think Dwayne Vermeulen will be wearing a few bruises after his uh kickoff returns. I think he caught about five of them and had to run them back and he got hit hard every time so you know they didn't shy away from contact and and that that hard graft but uh yeah I, like and says sometimes it was a little bit childish like da- damien willems's yeah. little scamper through the middle of the defense to go and score his try uh, i can't remember if that was the one that was disallowed or if that was on that was allowed 
but yeah, it is what it is in these games. You can't read too much into it. So I would be surprised if we saw Mapimpi uh, get another starting starting go. I think you you can't look past Cheslin Colby, uh, and it's then a choice between Moody and Kirtley Aronso for me on the other on the other wing, um, and that depends. Exactly as you say, how we want to play, how we view the opposition's strengths. Like, is Johnny Sexton just going to kick onto our wings all day? And with Villy at the back, maybe that's a weakness. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams in the in the warm-ups to the World Cup taking us on. Wales did it quite well for a little bit before they fell apart. New Zealand basically won a game against us that way earlier on in the year. So, yeah, I mean, if you were the selectors, who do you pick at wing? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I'm trying to think of the way that James Lowe and Mac Hansen will be threats um, and who works best against that. But I I think that right now I would stick with our uh, back, at least the wings against um, Scotland. So that then mm. in that case would be Colby and Aaron. So I think they've done enough to show that they are yeah solid enough um, in, in defense under the high ball that I would feel confident to pick them. And does uh does Pollard get onto the bench? <laughs> I, I I think not for this game. And from the reports, I think they said he's not going to be available for Ireland. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, if he's if he doesn't play this game, do they put him straight in for the next match against Tonga, or does he come off the bench in that game and then potentially play against Scotland? Very interested to see, but um. Definitely don't want to see Libok not, you know, uh, I don't want to see him lose his spot unnecessarily. But like Ant said, having Pollard on the bank bench as an option is surely helpful no matter what. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting how they integrate him back and, and what that's going to do against Marnie's confidence in his position. I mean, he's at the run of the roost for quite some time now. He's been really backed in that jersey and I think he needs to continue to be backed. Uh, Pollard doesn't have the match fitness at this point so as you say probably likely to make his return via the bench but then you are then you're sacrificing a bench position and if you're going 7-1 or 6-2 um, he offers a little bit of versatility but in positions that we already have a fair amount of versatility with Damien Willemse as an option in both 10 and 12 so do you, do you pick a player just for goal kicking I mean uh, if if Marnie has a horror against Ireland, then I think we'll all be saying yes. But if he kicks five out of five like he did against the All Blacks, maybe we'll be saying, well, he's now a luxury player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a tough one. I, I think that's a good point that you make as uh, in regards to Willemsa being a better sort of bench option in terms of cover and the number of positions he can cover and even just adding sort of X factor if we need it. We know Willemsa mm. with ball in hand is one of our most exciting options. So it is, it's a very good point about Pollard's role. Like what is it going to be? Um, like I said, I don't want to see Lebok lose his, his spot, but I agree if he does have a stinker against Ireland, um, you know, a lot of people are going to be calling for his head. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Well, I mean, we don't even need Pollard for the, the clutch kicks anymore. I, I was watching videos of uh, Faf de Klerk knocking over 60-meter bullets in the warm-ups, and he's had some clutch kicks from the sideline as well, especially from the right where they seem to have favoured him. 
So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think I think they've said publicly he's not going to play against Ireland. Uh, so which yeah. means he probably has to play against Tonga at least off the bench for some minutes. Otherwise, he should have just stayed at Leicester and played a couple more games. <laughs> Sure, exactly. And big shout out to Faf. Yeah, he was the first Springbok out practicing. He was doing so many drills on his own and just smashing kicks from everywhere, knocking them through the poles. So that was impressive to see. All right. So um, I've got a couple more minutes left before load shedding. Uh, so for our international listeners, that's where our government just turns off the electricity, which <laughs> could, could render our recording uh, useless. So let's do some snap uh, predictions just of, of the, the upcoming games. So Italy-Uruguay. I've got to go Italy, but I'm only going to say Italy by a handful. So Italy by 10. Okay. Yeah, I would again about 15. Uh, France-Namibia, it's just a question of how much, right? Yeah. So they're, gonna ha- they're also going to be a bit hurting from the previous performance. So I would say uh, France by 50, maybe 60. Yeah. I think I had 55. Um then Argentina Samoa. Um, I'm going to say Argentina to bounce back from a very unconvincing first game, but uh, not by too much, maybe 13. Yeah, I think that's fair. Argentina just really not convincing in that first match. I don't feel super confident, but I agree. Argentina by 12, 13. All right. Uh, Georgia versus Portugal. We bet we backing the Georgians. I suppose we are. Yeah. Have to back the Georgians. They'll be favourites for this one. Uh, Portugal have looked relatively impressive, but Georgia shouldn't have any issues here. So Georgia by twenty. Yeah, I think that's about right. England versus Chile. Uh, England have to win this one, maybe by a healthy margin again, twenty five. Yeah, just trying to inspire a bit more confidence, trying to get more into their routine. I think as many as possible, but yeah, it won't be as many as they would want, I think. So maybe by 30. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be considering Johnny May for my fantasy team, I'm sure. Um, let's leave South Africa Island to last. So the other two games are Scott. Okay, so then we've got Scotland versus Tonga. Uh, Scotland probably favourites here, given Tonga's Fairly poor performances, your prediction? Yeah, I think Tonga will try to get themselves up with this one. I think it's more manageable than the Ireland game. But at the same time, I think Scotland should have too much. I would, And Scotland could be prone to a big score. So I would say Scotland by 20. Okay, all right. That's quite confident. I like that. <laughs> um, it is It is pretty much the battle for third in the pool, I think. So yeah. so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Then... Uh, a very important game in the context of the, the pool stages, Wales and Australia on Sunday. This one oh. is, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think I'm with you. I'm almost on the fence. It could go either way. I could definitely see um, team, both teams just being so desperate for the win. And to be honest, when the game gets as scrappy as it does, as it might, I think that Wales are more suited to it. So um, I think, I think, despite what Ant might have said earlier, I think Wales by uh, Wales by three would be my prediction. I think they are just more used to scrapping it out when when it gets dirty. Oh, it's so it's so hard to say. I think like Australia might have 
more of those players that might produce the individual moments. Um, the like of Noan Gadinawaze, Karevi, Tate McDermott. Uh, so I don't know. Let's. I'm going to go Australia by three just to be just to be uh, oppositional, <laughs> and we'll see. Yeah. We'll no, see. but that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. Like individualistically, I think Australia have more firepower. So yeah, well, let's see. I mean, it makes sense. All right, and then the last game, uh, probably determining who's going to, well, almost definitely determining who's going to top our pool. The box take on Ireland on Saturday. 9 p.m. South African time. This is the big one in the pool stages, at least. Do the box have what it takes to overcome the other green machine? Oh, absolutely massive game. Um, on my first night when I got to Bordeaux, I was interviewed by a group of students who were doing a, a big journalism project, and they all they pretty much asked me was Springboks versus Ireland. What do you think? And I think <laughs> it, I, it's still the same as what I said to them before this weekend's game. So South Africa, I think, have enough to beat Ireland. I think we're feeling strong. We're reigning champions. It's going to be a really tough game. Ireland are a really strong team. But back Rossi, back Jacques, I think they know what they're doing. I think we have enough to overcome. So Springboks by seven. Okay, yeah. I, I think the what I've seen, you know, we lost to Ireland in the November series, uh, so nearly a year ago. Um, we were still developing our defensive systems and, and that back then. We've had a couple of key personnel changes as well uh, since then, and I think we should have beaten them last year. I think we're a better side now. I think we have more depth. We have that that strangling chokehold rush defense from the outside in really nicely down now it does mean that we leave a little bit of space for maestros like johnny sexton to kick over for james Lowe or mac hansen and i think that's where the threat is but i think south africa could be yep. awake to that and i think they'll have planned for that so yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with you i'm gonna say south africa by seven to ten Maybe, maybe even maybe even South Africa by ten, yeah. Very nice. I like the optimism, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I do, I do want to say that I absolutely hate that Malcolm Marks got injured. I think, yeah, how, like I think honestly, he might have been our best player um in the last few or in the like the recent form. He's also one of my favorite players, and. I, I think Bonky's great. I think he is really good. And I think we are being creative and we will cope with his absence. But we do. It's still a massive loss for us. And like the Springboks losing marks. So not ideal. Not ideal at all. Um, but let's see. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, Bonky's a great... So, someone said it in a, in a comment that you know, he's a 60-plus test uh, rugby championship and World Cup winning hooker, and we're like worried about him not being good enough. Um, yeah. you know, we we we've had the luxury of Malcolm Marks for so long. We we forget how good Bongi really is, uh, and how many teams around the world would love to have him. That being said, it's it's also he he Marks is a generational player, and Bongi isn't on the same level, and we're also very thin behind Bongi. So. Can can we rely on Bongi to go 65, 70 minutes 
so that we limit, you know, a 37-year-old Dion Fury or a flanker, come hooker, like Marco van Staden, like those, the, the, that's razor-thin depth at a key position. Set pieces are so vital, especially in big games. If Bongi goes down after 10 minutes, it puts a big question mark on our on our runners up but if if they'd flown Dweba in we would have had the same question marks so <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah and marks is a huge loss but still backing the box yeah i agree um yeah the only thing i guess with Dweba, if you bought him in you'd maybe feel a little bit more confident at scrum time not in lineouts like you say i think yeah. the others might already be okay, better or okay in the lineouts so yeah it's a risk they've taken it's a gamble but it's asking a lot of bongi to play more than he normally would and i know they keep very tight metrics on seeing how his performance and like how much he's running and all of that but yeah I back the coaches to, you know, make the big decisions in this case. They've proven that they know what they're doing. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, and same with the Pollard situation, you know, I'm skeptical at the moment, but also just back the coaches to get it right. Well, who knows? I mean, maybe they brought in Pollard as a like-for-like -like replacement and we'll see him at 16 on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we'll see one of our four scrum halves surprise us and play in the middle of the scrum as well. Yeah, who, the ball. Who, who would be the most... Well, Reinach, maybe. Is the most maybe Reinach, hooker. yeah. Um, I mean, Faf is... Uh, yeah, probably Reinach. And I think it would go Reinach, <laughs> then Faf, then... Uh, oh, I don't know. It's a weird one. <laughs> then Jaden, and then I think Grant Williams is the smallest. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Lekker Phil, in, enjoy uh, the rest of your time in Europe. Let us know how BFS goes. And uh, thank you. Yeah, thank man, you. enjoy the games over there. We'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks for hosting. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.